From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today on episode 154, I'm talking about negative thoughts and well, let's dive into negative thinking patterns. What's really going on underneath the surface? Why are we a slave to that eight-year-old childish voice that seems to run the show, causes us so much negative emotion, and it takes over and ruins our days. So let's go over the tools, techniques, strategies that you can begin to do so that you can lessen your grip, break that emotional pattern that you've fed it, fed that monster for such a long time. But before I talk about that, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode, which was a Q&A episode, starting with Patricia. She says, after stumbling upon your podcast, huge realizations have been happening where I no longer feel trapped in a cage, but determined to overcome this confusion. Yes, Patricia, you're breaking outside of the confines of that set mindset. And now you're expanding your world. You're opening this door to this new way of perceiving and living. Dean says, So glad you touched on blood pressure this episode. I've had that medical anxiety at the doctor's and have had high blood pressure readings because of this experience. Very common, Dean. It happens all the time. It happened with me, and I see it sometimes with my clients as well. It's amazing that because you have that doctor's anxiety, that medical anxiety, you get that reading, and it can fuel your anxiety even more because of the negative reaction the nurse has. It's quite, it's quite something. Lucky Beast says... Please do these Q&As more often. Super insightful. Thank you. I am planning on doing live Q&As, whether it's on Instagram or I think most likely on YouTube. Um, Let me know what you guys think of that. So let's get into this episode on negative thinking. Now, I want to start off this episode talking about that eight-year-old childish voice that is stuck in your head, but it was stuck in my head. And it does come up periodically, even today in my life, even though I've come this far and I haven't reached the finish line because that's not what a developing mindset is all about. It's constant never-ending improvement and that's what makes life meaningful but that eight-year-old voice can keep you stuck it can keep you in this set mindset stuck in this box of poor beliefs that are preventing you from living this different lifestyle a lifestyle free of anxiety, but a lifestyle where you can learn and grow and develop and expand yourself to new heights and 
strengths that you didn't even know you had within yourself. And at first, when I was a slave to this eight-year-old childish voice in my head, I wasn't in tune with this other rational voice to object to that eight-year-old voice, right? There is this other voice that you can engage in that you can counteract and confront and contend with this other irrational, impulsive, childish voice. I was emotionally reactive to this eight-year-old voice. It ran the show. And because I was continuously reactive to this voice, I was putting so much value on that voice. I was adding fuel to the voice. I was giving the candy to this eight-year-old child. And your unconscious recognizes the things that are important to you from your attention. If you're paying a lot of attention and reacting with high emotion to this particular voice and what it's saying in your mind, then your unconscious is basically understanding that this is what Brad finds of value. So you may notice that the voice then sticks around and it pops up more often. It's like, don't think of a big purple elephant in the room. Well, you're going to think of it. It's like the voice. It's like, I don't want to think about that thought. But it comes back because your mind, your unconscious doesn't understand negations like don't, right? It's only seeing the end result. The end result is that negative thought. It's going to, that that negative thought is going to keep showing its ugly face. Now, at the time when I was a slave to this voice, my glass was overflowing, right? My glass of emotion, right? I had a lot of baggage I was carrying around from my past. And you see this with people nowadays where you want to give them a wide berth because every one little thing that you say to them could make their glass overflow and they could react with anger and strong negative emotion. So you keep your distance, right, from those people. And I was one of those people where I could blow up at any moment, right? Any negative thought would come into my mind and I would, I felt like I would shut down. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm thinking that voice. And I want to talk about an experience of mine where that voice was dominant and controlling. When I was when I was going through my anxiety disorder, I remember going out with a uh, going out on a walk with my parents around the neighborhood. And on this walk, the voice of "What if my parents die? What if they get this disease and they die?" And I was thinking about these thoughts of death in regards to my parents, and I thought I was a bad person because I was having these thoughts. I was looking internally to why I was thinking that. And I reacted, oh my God, yeah, that's a, that's a huge fear. What if they die? I'll be all alone because I'm, I'm dependent on my parents for, for uh, making me feel secure, the reassurance. And that was 
quite daunting because throughout the whole walk, my emotions became more and more negative. And by the end of that walk, I was emotionally drained. I had to go in to my house and just spend some time to myself contemplating what happened. The perfect example of this eight-year-old voice is the cricket from Pinocchio. If you've seen Pinocchio, you know that at the beginning of the movie, Pinocchio is a puppet. He's just this wooden boy who's being pulled by, you know, a puppet is a metaphor of somebody who's being pulled by unseen forces from behind the scenes, right? You're being pulled by something else. You're not autonomous. You're not this independent thinking creature. And so the cricket, it represents Pinocchio's conscience, right? And at the beginning of the movie, he's this tramp-like character. He's rough. He doesn't really know what he's saying. Because when he speaks to Pinocchio, Pinocchio is confused and bewildered. He doesn't understand what the cricket is saying. He's The cricket is like this mouthpiece of nonsense and that makes sense because at the beginning of the movie Pinocchio is this puppet like dependent creature who doesn't know any better and so the the cricket the conscience the conscience of Pinocchio is represents that because he doesn't know any better so Pinocchio and the conscious are on in the same league but as the movie develops you see Pinocchio become more autonomous. He becomes more independent. He faces his fears. He starts to cut these strings. He starts to learn and fail and then grow from his failure. He starts to develop this developing mindset. Right? He, Pinocchio is the hero archetype. But as you see Pinocchio progress, the cricket also progresses. He starts to think more rationally. His clothes start to look more spiffy and expensive. And that's an indicator that he's developing. So as you develop, your conscience develops as well. The eight-year-old childish voice develops more into a 16-year-old childish voice, right? Because you don't want to be a 20-year-old, 30-year-old because you're like a 30-year-old with this 20-year-old childish voice. You want to be a 30-year-old with a 30-year-old voice and mindset, right? And the first technique I want to discuss in this podcast is transforming that childish voice into a cartoon character. So this is a great technique. If you think a negative thought, so for instance, a thought about what if my parents die? If I take that thought and I transform that voice in my head to Homer Simpson's voice, I wouldn't take Homer Simpson's advice seriously. So if I have Homer Simpson's voice in my head saying that thought, what if my parents die? I kind of I kind of laugh at it because now I'm shifting this perspective of mine over the voice and also 
it seems childish when I look at it from that different perspective. Very interesting. So when you get that negative thought, transform it into a silly cartoon character's voice that you wouldn't you wouldn't take seriously. I wouldn't take Homer Simpson's advice seriously. So he's a great example uh, for, for that voice switch. And this voice, this childish voice, stems from your unconscious mind. So speak back to the unconscious through imagery and emotion because that's what your unconscious understands. It understands imagery and emotions. What do you want? You have to show your unconscious mind what you want. Through meditation, you can visualize what you want. You're speaking to your unconscious mind. Also, engaging in that rational voice helps to break the dominating power of the childish voice. So ask yourself, after that negative voice pops up, ask yourself, do I really, truly want this to happen? Is this really what I want? And if you really ask yourself that question, you will come up with an answer. And when I used to ask myself these powerful questions, you know, do I really want my parents to die? And then there would be this voice inside saying, no, I don't want that. And I saw this as this truth, underlying truth that emerges that is separate from this childish voice. Because if there's no counter-argument to this childish voice or perspective, then the child wins. You're letting that child walk all over you. You believe in what it has to say. Like how if your friends have negative beliefs and habits, or you're in an abusive relationship, it's all you know. Those relationships are all you know. And that's what's been familiar to you. But once you break the pattern and begin to shift perspectives, then there's another world, a better world that could be. But you have to break outside your current box. And what does that childish voice know? Right? It's underdeveloped. It's like the dumb cricket at the beginning of the Pinocchio movie. What does that thing know? It doesn't know anything. It sounds stupid. It's speaking and spouting ideological nonsense. He's underdeveloped. Assume that you are dumb, underdeveloped, and you need to learn. That's the mindset I started to develop when I began my recovery. I still view myself as somebody who needs to learn because I'm growing. I'm always growing. I always have something to learn. As Pinocchio grows in his character, the cricket grows alongside Pinocchio. Because if you remember the movie, by the end of the movie, 
Pinocchio becomes this independent being. He becomes a real boy. And the cricket is rewarded this gold star from the fairy godmother. Right? At the same time. So that's interesting. That's the developing mindset. Someone who perceives themselves as the expanding creature who can change. Now, I also want to touch upon the shadow. Carl Jung, the psychologist, coined this term, the shadow, the dark place where you could end up, the hell that you can end up, because each person on this planet has a part of themselves that stem all the way, that reach all the way down to hell. We can end up there if we neglect our health, if we remain a slave to that inner child. And you can get to that hell if you keep on entertaining the resentful and bitter thoughts that arise in your mind. And if you do this long enough, you begin to despise yourself and the world. So where are you keeping your sights? Where is your aim? Because it's necessary for you to keep that aim in your mind as you progress through life to get to that better place, to be more higher self-oriented. That's the developing mind, knowing that there is this place that is ideal. And you see this with your mentors as well. Things could be better if I continue to push myself in this direction. That's the mindset of the mentors I hope that you're following. Because having a mentor you relate to and who have gotten to a better place in their life, they help keep you on this track and that's the value I get from my mentors like if I didn't have my mentors right now I could easily steer myself off course and remain off course because I'm not continuously reminding myself from these mentors or learning from them because ironically my mentors are continuously learning from their mentors, right? And their mentors are continuously learning and so on. And you see in the Cain and Abel story, the consequences of brooding and entertaining negative thoughts. And that's the amazing, and that's the, that's the power of the Cain and Abel story. Because Cain, he kills his ideal and he suffers the consequence he tells god the consequences are more than i can bear and why is that because if i kill my ideals where is my aim i'm killing the image of the my higher self essentially because that my mentors and my ideals represent my higher self I can't imagine, I can't imagine my world without having my mentors around. I can't imagine. And without Maggie, she's a great 
influence on me and a mentor as well because she helps me orient myself to the higher good. She helps me understand when I'm wrong and she notifies me, hey Brad, you know what you said I don't agree with or what you're doing I don't agree with. And she helps me orient myself as well. Now, I want to talk about this surrender technique that I learned from David Hawkins, but actually I started practicing this surrendering technique before when I was lying in bed suffering from my anxiety disorder. I remember I couldn't sleep and I had a hard time settling my mind on all those negative thoughts. And then I remember thinking, you know what, I'm just going to surrender to it because I keep attaching myself to these thoughts that are making me stay awake. I want to surrender. I just want to feel my body. You know, whatever happens, happens. If, it, if this anxiety kills me, let it kill me. If this perceived disease is going to kill me, let it kill me. And so I kind of surrendered. I did actually. I didn't kind of surrendered. I surrendered to it while I laid in bed. I started focusing on my breathing. I just let go. I let everything that was underneath the surface come up and then it dissipated. And then it, and then I eventually fell into sleep. Now I want to go into detail because that's not enough detail for you guys to practice. I want to dive more deeper into the letting go technique and so I want to read you a passage from David R. Hawkins' book, Letting Go. And he describes the letting go technique beautifully. He says, Letting go involves being aware of a feeling, letting it come up, staying with it, and letting it run its course without wanting to make it different or do anything about it. It means simply to let the feeling be there and to focus on letting out the energy behind it. The first step is to allow yourself to have the feeling without resisting it, venting it, fearing it, condemning it, or moralizing about it. It means to drop the judgment and to see that it is just a feeling. The technique is to be with the feeling and surrender all efforts to modify it in any way. Let go of wanting to resist the feeling. It is resistance that keeps the feeling going. When you give up resisting or trying to modify the feeling, it will shift to the next feeling and be accompanied by a lighter sensation. A feeling that is not resisted will disappear as the energy behind it dissipates. As you begin to process, you will notice that you have fear and guilt over having feelings. There will be resistance to feelings in general. To let feelings come up, it is easier to let go of the reaction to having the feelings in the first place. A fear of fear itself is a prime example of this. Let go of the fear or guilt that you have about the feeling first and then get into the feeling itself. When letting go, ignore all thoughts. Focus on the feeling itself, not on the thoughts. Thoughts are endless and self-reinforcing, and they only breed more thoughts. 
Thoughts are merely rationalizations of the mind to try and explain the presence of the feeling. The real reason for the feeling is the accumulated pressure behind the feeling that is forcing it to come up in the moment. The thoughts of external events are only an excuse made up by the mind. As we become more familiar with letting go, it will be noticed that all negative feelings are associated with our basic fear related to survival and that all feelings are merely survival programs that the mind believes are necessary. The letting go technique undoes the programs progressively. Through that process, the underlying motive behind the feelings becomes more and more apparent. To be surrendered means to have no strong emotion about a thing. It's okay if it happens, and it's okay if it doesn't. When we are free, there is a letting go of attachments. We can enjoy a thing, but we don't need it for our happiness. There is a progressive diminishing of dependence on anything or anyone outside of ourselves. These principles are in accord with the basic teaching of the Buddha to avoid attachment to worldly phenomena, as well as the basic teaching of Jesus Christ to be in the world but not of it. Sometimes we surrender a feeling and we notice that it returns or continues. This is because there is more of it yet to be surrendered. We have stuffed these feelings all of our lives and there can be a lot of energy pushed down that needs to come up and be acknowledged. When surrender occurs, there is an immediate lighter, happier feeling, almost like a high. By continuously letting go, it is possible to stay in that state of freedom. Feelings come and go, and eventually you realize that you are not your feelings, but the real you is merely witnessing them. You stop identifying with them. The you that is observing and is aware of what is happening always stays the same. As you become more and more aware of the changeless witness within, you begin to identify with that level of consciousness. You become progressively, primarily the witness rather than the experiencer of the phenomena. You get closer and closer to the real self and begin to see that you had been duped by your feelings all along. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your comments. If you want a structured step-by-step -step approach to overcome anxiety naturally, the Anxiety Project program is available at unpluganxiety.com. It helps add that structure. I include a journal in the program that has helped me overcome anxiety, and I designed it and improved on it to help you guys overcome your anxiety. I will see you on the next podcast or video. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at 
beyondanxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery.